Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. With me always is Jason. What's going on, man? I am just chilling tonight. Uh, not nothing too crazy. I got a little bit of a lull and concerts for shows for right now and for a couple more weeks. So I am I'm just sitting at home playing my own guitar. What's going on with you? Uh, about the same. I uh, I watched the first episode of the other Woodstock '99 documentary. We probably won't get too much into it, but uh, um, it's you know uh, <laughs> interesting and and uh, you know kind of somewhat kind of disappointing. Not not as far as how the documentary is made, but just kind of the decisions that were made in in the in the you know creating of that show and and, and all that. So. But uh, we've touched on that before uh, when we had Heather on, and uh, I'm sure we're going to do a follow-up with that stuff, too. So I think a lot of people checked out. So um, Yeah, and Matt Wake wrote an article. He was asked right. to write an article yeah. about the Netflix yeah. thing. You know, Here's what we should do. I, I bet we, we should have a part two of that. We should have Matt on mm-hmm. and check in with Heather to see if she's seen the documentary, and maybe we have mm-hmm. a little bit of a panel with both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she was there, and maybe we can try to find some other people that were there. So, yeah. uh, the 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 one of the the one of the, the other guitar player and the other vocalist, because we use our bass player and our other guitar player do vocal. He was there in high school. So, okay, if if we needed him, we sure, could certainly yeah, get for him sure. And talk about yeah. it. He's, he has some stories. Yeah, and I'd like to like just try to uh, uh, they say they skim like right over ninety four. It, it's almost like it doesn't exist. And, and, <laughs> You know, and apparently because, well, it didn't make enough money or something, well, but I understand. Well, they skip over 94 because it was successful. It wasn't a cluster. It wasn't a disaster. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So uh, what do we what do we got in uh, it's going on? Speaking in the of rock? clusters and disaster. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit of Black Crows. And you guys will understand why here in a, in a minute when we talk about who the guests we have on. But uh, some one of our favorite bands is Black Crows. And. They're, they're continuing on their tour right now. And it sounds, you know, it sounds like it's going okay, but they have switched out members once again, Brian. We got another another keyboard player. Looks like he's taking over on a full-time basis now. Yeah, it seems to be the case because when you look at the upcoming dates, he's like on a, on a lot of them. And, you know, it, it seems a little bit different than when uh, Charlie filled in for Isaiah because it was like three or four gigs, right? And right. you knew you knew that Earthless had the tour going on over in Europe, and I think those shows came up. They weren't booked like way ahead of time, so it, it's 
you would think it's a little bit weird that with this the crows with Robin would be like you know the the priority so that seems odd that all of a sudden he wouldn't you know be doing these shows because doing his his own and I I think I even looked on once in future bound and I didn't see if I saw any dates they weren't a lot but you know yeah this is maybe going to play into, you know, the, you know, the neurotic, uh, you know, quality or neurotic element of Black Crow's fan, fandom, fanhood, you know, it's like, what's going on there, man? <laughs> you know, it, it's, you know, the thing that's tough about this is I think universally Robin O was right off the bat. People are like, he gets it. He looks like he's having fun. He plays really great. I think Isaiah over time is, Mm-hmm. really worked himself into being a favorite. I know there's still the drumming thing, but he was the one that everybody liked right off the bat and looked like he was maybe having the best time. So it's really odd to me, unless he had other other commitments he couldn't get out of for him not to be continuing on with the band. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's possible. If they, you know, how they were supposed to start in, in, in 20 and not – you know, knowing, but then again, would, would once in future band have like shows booked that far ahead. So, yeah, but, uh, I'm sure we can it, f- find a message board somewhere that's, that's got, uh, got some level of, 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 of controversy and I'm sure, you know, and I am wearing my state of America t-shirt. So you are, uh, you are, you're supporting David and Ian, our, our buddies and our, our favorite podcasts outside of our own. And uh, but David, you know, and well, both those guys got quite the far reach into the inner sanctums of Black Crow's world and universe. So I'm sure they'll discuss it as well. Yeah. And I try to be very positive about the the new tour and everything that's going on. And I I mean, I think they sound really good. I think we're all tired of the shaker money maker material yeah. and they're only contractually obligated to play that through the rest of this year. But but I wanted to stay away from us poo-pooing. Oh, they have all these different band members and stuff. But I'm mm-hmm. I, it's starting to get like if they really are replacing Robin O and some, uh, now I, some of the critiques I can understand a little bit more. I won't be a, you know I won't be a downer, but I, I it, it feels like it's a rental band if they keep yeah. changing out players. We kind of had a little fun the other day on the chat group. We're trying to figure out like how many how many altogether people have played in the Black <laughs> Rose in. live on stage. It's a like lot. I mean, 30 something. you know, you have the, the background singers and you've had different co-guitarists and bass players, a couple drummers, the drummers, there's only been, I believe, three drummers now yeah. total who play right. with Black Crows, a little bit, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of keyboard players, including, you know, we've Rob Cloris, who we've had mm-hmm. on played keyboards with the Crows. So it's just, I hope they get everything settled down and figure it out. I think we'd all love Charlie to play in that band, but that's also not realistic because he's got right. Blackberry Smoke, which is, again, in my opinion, probably the best band out there right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, you know, I, we love the Crows. It just gets a little disheartening at times. Yeah. Well, you know, over the years, the Crows have had a lot of uh, really good opening acts, which uh, uh, they have. They have. And before we get in the opening act, it's funny. So, you're wearing the State of America shirt, which is Black Crows oriented. I'm actually wearing my Mark FN Ford shirt, which is Black Crows. Obviously, Mark is the most beloved, probably sl- guitar slinger outside of Chris, uh, Rich, who's been in the band. But we do have a band affiliated with the Black Crows opener. They open for Black Crows on the first legs of that reunion tour 
or the Shake Your Money Maker tour last year, not a reunion tour. It is, uh, we have Mark LaBelle and John Naughton from Dirty Honey. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And Mark spells his name uh, the same way. Um, I mean, you know what? And I wore that and I'm thinking if Mark sees that, does he think I'm some kind of weirdo, dirty honey fan? And I, I should have <laughs> probably showed it. It's Mark Ford, not, not Mark, not Mark LaBelle. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, you guys will enjoy this conversation. Uh, we, we, you know, we get into a little bit of, of the influence and uh, things that they may have learned um, from Chris and Rich. You get a little bit of chuckle there and uh, a lot of good guitar talk. And, you know, what else can I say? I, I'm, I'm like, I'm open about like I've, I've had criticism of them, criticisms of them previously. But what that's kind of boiled down to is not so much them. And, you know, the same way I speak about Greta, Greta Van Fleet, it's not the bands themselves. It's, it's how much attention those two have got, you know, more so than all these other great bands that we know. But then I think on the flip side, it's bringing a lot of attention to, to this kind of rock music that we love so much. So that can only be a positive thing. And then, you know, we get into a little bit of, of uh, some of the people that we've had on that th those guys have played tours with or are friends with. So you see the links right there. So it, it you know, if that can pull more like, you know, you know, mainstream people or people that, that maybe aren't as deeply passionate about music and, and get some awareness to uh, all these other great bands from the Southeast, I think it, it can only be a good thing. I cannot wait to hear they talk about some new stuff they're working on where that's going to turn into because they did that killer cover of Princess Let's Go Crazy. I, you know, they're a young band. They've only been together four or five years as I, I am really excited to see how they evolve and what they turn into because they have a heck of a lot of potential. And I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm already a fan. So, yeah. And, and, you know, even, you know, some of those songs on their first full length record, you can hear the growth in that and, and hear the improvement. So uh, I'm always looking forward to what, what a, a good band has to offer next. So um, yep. you guys should also look forward to uh, and you know, sit down, kick back, relax, and listen to our conversation with John and Mark from uh, Dirty Honey. <laughs> We're here at the guest segment of the podcast. You guys know I always throw it over to Jason to tell you guys, the listeners, who our guests are today. I am super excited to have these two guys on. I got to see them open up for the Black Crows. I've been kind of been following their career the last couple of years. Uh, awesome band. Plays with a lot of homage to classic rock that we like with the modern flair. We've got Mark LaBelle and John Notto from Dirty Honey. How are you guys doing? We're in beautiful uh, Madison, Wisconsin today. 
um, a, about, about to start off. Nice up here. Yeah, yeah it it's like one of one of the only three months out of the year. I think that's nice up there. Brian, you're from North Dakota. Tell us, like, what's the weather like in Wisconsin? Uh, it's probably similar, very similar. But uh, Madison's beautiful. Yeah, it's super clean oh. here. The weather's awesome, and like the people are great. It's obviously a college town, so it's a good vibe. Cool. Very are you cool. guys who, are you guys playing on your own solo show? Or you got, are you pairing up with somebody up there? Uh, we're actually going up to Oshkosh to play um, a festival up there tomorrow, and this was like the nearest city with a direct flight from LA. But I just found out walking around that ZZ Top is playing here tonight, John. What? If you want to go, so nice. we're gonna have to go check that out. I think. So John's a big ZZ Top guy. Are they all alive? No, uh, the bass player just died. Yeah, Dusty died last year. The bass player, you know. <laughs> You're the guitar I'm guy. Kidding, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. Well, hey, thanks for joining us, guys. We appreciate it. We're big fans of your music and, and this whole genre. So, Brian, I always toss it over to Brian for the first question, and I'll just run with some follow-ups. Well, you guys got this tour coming up, so we'd love to hear all about that. Yeah, I mean, we're um, we're heading out doing cities in you know the United States and Canada. Obviously, going up to Canada for the first time. Um, the gigs in the United States will have Dorothy and Max Saturn with us. The gigs in Canada, we're just bringing Max Saturn up with us. I don't know why that is, but I know that that's the case. Um, but yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. Obviously, Dorothy's great. She's kind of like the flag bearer for women in rock right now, along with like Lizzie Hale and Taylor Momsen. They're all like doing that female hard rock thing, which is really cool. And I think it's great for rock and roll to have that. And then Max Saturn is also like a Motown meets rock band out of Detroit, which is like a cool mix. And we're kind of taking them out on their first real tour ever. So it's going to be interesting to see what they uh, bring to the table and I know they're really excited. I've been in touch with them a little bit um, these past few days. And obviously, you know, John and I have been writing a lot and I know Justin has too. And um, I think when we get the sound check tomorrow, we're going to try out some new stuff and see if we can't get anything in shape to play for this, uh, this run run. So might be debuting some new songs sooner than later. So we need to go out. We need to see you on this tour and, and hear some new tunes. That's what we're hoping for. John. Yeah, that's uh, that's the goal is to try to improvise uh, the whole set. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't think we're allowed. To, I don't think we're allowed to do that. I don't think we could. But um, yeah, we'll try to get uh, a lot of stuff done. I, we feel like this tour is um, got a little bit of room for that. Um, that always personally excites me. I like when there's an el an element of experimentation. Um, we've been on a lot of tours where uh the it's more about getting on stage and playing your best songs and getting you know you don't have as much time so um which that has its own benefit of course you know europe was pretty much all opening slots but that was probably one of the most exciting runs we've done so it all has its benefits and i think this one will be that little element of you know a slight element of experimentation um so when we get something worked up good enough to be to leave the uh, sound check and make it to the actual show. <laughs> nice. That's sort of the no. that's the cattle that's the cattle ride down to you know the final slaughter. So I'm, I'm going to go back to some of your opening slots. Brian and I are huge 
black crows fans and i know i saw you guys opening for the crows in cincinnati you can you guys were the opening band on that huge reunion tour how did you guys end up getting that gig with with opening for them i mean we obviously we share management with the black crows so there's obviously an in there but um you know we've easy. learned actually <laughs> yeah that we've learned in recent definitely in recent weeks like the black crows are really involved with choosing their opening bands and support bands and you know both those guys chris and rich are like consummate rock stars and nobody's going to tell them what to do they're not going to take anybody out for a favor and if they don't like feel that you're an authentic rock and roll band like you're not going to play with them so um kind of learned that really quick uh just talking to them yeah chris was really nice and complimentary about the music most importantly but was also there to like you know tell us like hey maybe you should try this or do something else you know like don't be so beholden to whatever this thing is you know like that's what music is like freedom so um you know we shared management that was like obviously the end there but ultimately it's it's their decision it's their tour and you know we're, we're fortunate that they liked us they definitely made us wait for that yes i, I do <laughs> remember those like, yeah yeah they didn't make that easy let me tell you what it was it was a lot of hey you hear anything you hear anything uh, i don't know <laughs> for, for real so um i think they really did like mark said take take careful uh they didn't make that decision hastily at all. So. Yeah, it was a great choice. I mean, your your music stylings work really well with the Crows, right? And I think you, you guys being a newer band or younger band probably gives them a lot of energy too for their stage show because they got to keep up with everything you guys are doing up there. And you guys put on a hell of a, put on a hell of a show. Thanks, I think man. it was a great night of thank you. Yeah, I think it was a great night of rock music for everybody, and um, there was a lot of energy. I think for both for both bands, a lot of just energy surrounding what they were doing. I mean, that was their first run back, so there was a lot of excitement for them, and obviously, we're excited to be there. So, the fans are seeing two two acts, you know, sort of a heritage act, I guess, as it were, and a new act, both kind of going for blood. So, well, Mark, you, know. you kind of partially answered my next question. I was going to ask, what, you know, what besides what you guys already know about being a rock band in the, in the rock business, what, what other things did you learn from those guys about being a touring entity, about being a rock and roll entity? Like what, what other kind of like wisdom was bestowed upon you? I specifically remember Chris saying to us at dinner one night, like, don't be afraid to take this Ferrari that you're driving and crash it and burn it right <laughs> into the fucking wall because like that's what all his favorite fans did and that's what he's down to do and he doesn't give a fuck and blah blah which was cool but um you know and in all seriousness like our manager probably wouldn't like to hear this but he said this in front of our manager he's like don't be afraid to tell your manager to fuck himself every once in a while man like they're not always right <laughs> and um he said it sort of tongue-in-cheek you know sure. um backstage one night but yeah like John knows, like, we, we get in arguments all the time. We love each other to death, but, like, we get in arguments about what's right, you know, and what's wrong and what, what direction, how we're doing something, whatever. It could be a myriad, a million things, but, um, you know, those are just a few of the things. But ultimately, he was like, listen, man, like, just keep writing, just keep writing, keep mm -hmm. writing, keep writing. 
Cool. Very so cool. One last crows related question, then we'll get back to dirty hunting focus, but playing on such a big tour that had a, a huge amount of attendance, a lot of hype around it. Did that open up some new doors for you with, you know, new fans? I mean, how did that influence, how did that affect you guys? Huh. That's a good question. I think one thing we noticed right off the bat, it, it, it was a bit of a, I don't want to say older crowd, but um, oh, you can say it. I was in the crowd, so I'm older. I than don't mean old, there. you know. <laughs> we're not old. We're like Wait, are you calling people, me old, John? You know what I mean? No, no, but people, you know, being like we're like thirty to and up, you know. Yeah. Not as um, young, so I think it put us a lot in that crowd. I think it, I think it gave a lot of the people who might not go check out a new band at all. It gave them some, you know, I put our music in their ears, at least right off the bat, you know, and I think that when we like when we first played Nashville, the first show, I think it scared us a little because everybody was we're not they just sat. They were sitting, you know, they were yeah. sitting toe tapping at best. Well, we got to start the whole tour with two nights in Nashville. So we got the first night of the way and then we played the second night. And I think we just kind of went for it harder and we put that one behind us and over the course of the tour, we figured out how to have everyone on our feet, on their feet, you know, by about 60% into the show. And so that, I don't know, I've kind of gotten off topic, but uh, I think we learned how to win that that kind of crowd over. And so hopefully they tell their friends. <laughs> you guys were talking uh, about like working in a new number or numbers into, you know, the set, hopefully. Um, like on days in between or sound check, is there like a, like a conscious, you know, writing process going on for, you know, the next record? Is that even in a planning stage yet? Or yeah. how does that, how does your songwriting kind of occur? I mean, usually, I mean, a song usually starts with like a riff, I would say. Usually it's got to be a riff or some sort of musical thing that maybe came out of soundcheck or John wrote it himself or I wrote it myself or Justin wrote it himself. Like just this one piece of maybe a minute of music that everybody's kind of like, oh, that's cool. And then once you have a melody on top of it, then you're really off and running. And, and I think we can work on as long as we have that initial idea, we can work on it any sort of way. John and I got together the other day. He was on drums. I was on guitar. Then we switched and then we're demoing stuff and like finding melodies. And that's really fun. Sometimes like we'll all just be at soundcheck and John will just play something. And that could turn into a song somehow um, by the end of soundcheck. And yeah, I think especially for this tour, since it's our tour and, we have the luxury of time at soundcheck. We're going to take a lot of that to finish a lot of the ideas we were working on and like definitely struggled to finish in Europe, um, you know, and out on the, on the tour with Wolfgang last summer, just because time was so restricted. Um, you know, you, you need t time. Jerry Seinfeld says time is perhaps the most important ingredient for success. And if you don't have it, you can't like refine the songs to, you know, not only to finish them to get like all the way through it, but to like make it something great. Um, so it's definitely, it's, it's not even in the back of our minds. Like it's in the forefront of our minds, like writing for the next record and, you know, especially getting a couple of these songs 
ready to go for this tour. That's, that's a big focus for me, for sure. One question I wanted to get in in a short amount of time is uh, one of the things that, that we like to chat about on the podcast is these days, you know, and specifically in this genre of music, um, there seems to be a lot of great camaraderie and support between bands. I know <clears throat> I heard John on the hook rocks with Tyler from goodbye June. We've had him on, uh, we know uh, Joyous Wolf is open for you guys. We had Nick on the podcast. So can you speak a little bit, any about that, just the camaraderie between bands or other artists that have been around doing this about the same amount of time as you guys that you guys have respect for and, and like to hang out with and just chat with or cross paths on the road and whatnot? It's fun. I keep in touch with both Tyler and uh, Blake from, uh, <clears throat> you know, Goodbye June and uh, those bands uh it's nice to have camaraderie it's cool um the camaraderie's growing a little bit uh with me and the guitar community so it's kind of through instagram but uh <laughs> um it's nice it's nice to have people um when you come into a city you know and you go grab a beer with someone go grab a dinner come to the show you know vice versa so it's all so it's one of the uh, maybe unforeseen perks of, of doing what we do, you know. And they're yeah, some of the only people that like understand what you're going through on mm -hmm. a daily basis right. more so than even like there's really nobody that like really gets what you're going through other than like a musician, you mm -hmm. know. There's this immediate like attraction to each other of just like understanding your success or your struggle or just how tiring it can sometimes be or you know maybe you shared an experience opening for the same band and you can bond over that it's just a very unique um friendship that you can you can have as time rolls on going back to your current tour here with dorothy one that's a really great uh, bill she's i just saw her a couple months ago actually in columbus ohio with Joyous Wolf and Classless Act. She put on a great show. Those other bands were good, but I think you guys are going to kind of bring it, bring it to the next level. Did I hear this is a co-headlining tour for you guys both? Uh, is it? I don't know. Where, where she opened? It's not a co-headlining tour on our dates. I don't think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're we're, we're so. headlining all of our shows that we play. And Brian, just so you know, these guys uh, on the 27th are going to be in Fargo at the right. brewing company where you just right. saw Blackberry smoke. So you better get, they're going to be looking for you out in the <laughs> oh, audience. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in Fargo, North Dakota, and he, he started a blues and Southern rock podcast. Imagine that. I mean, it kind of fits, right? <laughs> well, rock out of necessity. <laughs> but it's big out there. Montana, Idaho, Dakotas. I like the blues out there, man. Like the blues festivals and shit. Hey, and we're very, very time. grateful for anybody that can make it up here. I mean, that's huge for us here. So we really <laughs> appreciate literally, that. Can they literally make it up there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so well, I've got a couple of good names of women in rock for you guys to check out. You already mentioned Dorothy. There are two really good Nashville singer. Actually, John, for you, good guitar players uh, getting out. Um, Jax Hollow, check her out. And also Leilani Kilgore. They both play a mean guitar and sing at the same time. So if you really want to wow. check out some great up and coming women in rock, they are two good ones. I think I've heard the name Hollow. Jax Hollow. Yeah, I've heard that name yeah. before too. Yeah, she uh, her album that she put out last year 
It was one of the last ones produced by Michael. Brian, Brian help me out here. Mike, um, he produced a lot of the hair metal, 80s, and, and a bunch of 90s hard rock classics. Oh, the name of the record? Oh, no, the name of the producer. Oh, uh, uh, Mike Wagner. There you go, Mike Wagner. So he worked with Scorpions and a bunch of other bands. But yeah, check them out. Check them out. And that, that was my pitch. You're welcome, and, Jack. And, and Jack's, yeah, cool. Jack's uh, is an appreciator of your band. And... Cool. <laughs> I think we've, we, on we've that? chatted or something on Instagram or something. <laughs> I definitely know. I definitely know of her for sure. <laughs> um, you guys are coming to Columbus, I think, with a couple months. with Is it with Disturbed or somebody you guys are supporting? uh columbus i don't think so we're coming to cleveland with dorothy columbus columbus i don't think I've got so you with columbus ohio on september 22nd september 22nd in columbus yeah well that's what your website is telling me as if it's up to date let's see it was weird. I got an update, an email, because I'm on your newsletter list, and I saw you playing with somebody that I was actually... Oh, yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. No, no, that's the radio show in Columbus. Yeah, okay, that's why. Okay. Yeah, All yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Good that is, I think uh, you guys will enjoy it. Yeah, and Disturbed, too. Those guys have been super nice to us since day one. Uh, the the bass player was one of the first like people I ever met in rock, so uh, we are grateful for his uh, to him for his kindness. My only other question uh, is, uh, you know, we always want to ask our guests since we're always looking for any bands that we may not have heard heard of. Is there anybody that you guys, you know, could bring up to us that you think might knock our socks off? You know, anyone out there that you guys are, you know, someone that's been around the same amount of time as you or maybe a little bit less that, that you're uh, taking fondness to, like listening to or checking out that's up and coming? It's been around, but yeah, I, honestly, if, if they existed, we probably would have taken them out on tour with us. Um, <laughs> I think honestly, the, the, uh, the problem, um, that the momentum that the rock scene was having, um, with like us and Greta and Joyce Wolf and, uh, Bad Flower was COVID. I think a lot of like, up and coming acts really got derailed by COVID. I mean, we obviously, everybody did, but right. we definitely felt the, we definitely like, you know, we're kicking around like Jesus Christ, what are we going to do here? You know? Um, and I just can't imagine like coming out of COVID, like we cut our teeth in bars and clubs. If like that, that part of like life didn't really reopen on a national scale until even after like, full-scale concerts were already happening um so you know they're coming still i think but i can't think of anybody off the top of my head you know then like the goodbye Jews, the mm. band saint electric out of la max saturn obviously um right those are the ones that are top of mind but uh i'm, I'm waiting to see what what happens with the rock scene in the next like year or two so, so I've got a question for you a, a little bit about uh, you guys had a chance to record a print song for the NHL all-star game. Let's go crazy. How did that come about? And by the way, before you get into that, it is a really cool cover. You guys put your own spin on it. You got a little bit more, almost a more groove to it. So I want to hear how this came, came about. <laughs> I was in uh, Italy on vacation when my manager called and was like, Hey, you know, obviously I'm a huge hockey fan and yep. 
Um, John hates it anytime I talk hockey, so I'll keep that brief. But, <laughs> Cover your ears, uh, John. <laughs> but no, I'm a big, big fan of the NHL. And uh, our manager called and said that TNT wanted to do this thing to commemorate Prince because the game was in Minneapolis. And, um, you know, they kind of suggested, what if you did Let's Go Crazy? And I sort of remembered a video I saw that Prince did this version of the song. He just played the riff really like heavy and swampy. And I sent that video to John. He was like, oh, that's, that's interesting, you know? And then we got together a few times and figured out how to put our own little spin on it. And that's really what you want to do with the covers. Right. Put your own stamp on it. Once we got our hooks in on that, um, you know, the whole thing sort of took off and we did some, you know, arranging in the studio. That was exciting. It was really like shoot from the hip like shotgun status too, like uh, because Corey wasn't around and Mark came over. I think Justin came over too. I, I can't remember, but I think it might've just been me and you, but we basically had to make the arrangement, but we had to make it, we had to make a recording that at least like sold the idea so we had to do it like the, the way we hate it the most, which was like program some fake drums. It was, I mean, it was literally like hours. Like, so like the yeah. whole gluing of the arrangement together, we were like listening to this Prince live version. We're listening to the original. We're, we're gluing them together the way we want. And it all came together in hours. It was, it was kind of a cool testament of sort of just being up against the wall, but you know, we didn't have to do it, but we're like, fuck it, let's just go for it. So we just, I think we killed it, you know? There are these certain yeah. checkpoints too with like the Prince camp of like, hey, send us a demo. We want to approve the demo. Like they're they're like uh, the estate yeah. of Prince had to like approve the demo. Then they had to hear the finished product, approve the finished product and see the video, approve the video. So like every step of the way, like you're getting these approvals from, you know, Prince's people, whoever they are. Um, but it was really cool. I, I'm, I'm really proud of that. Uh, that version of the song and like when we played it for the first time in denver we all kind of looked at each other and the crowd was really bopping to it too and we were like whoa i think this might be something sort of special here you know like you guys getting goosebumps on your arms and everything playing it yeah because we never played it live until then so yeah it was, it was just a it was a recording project essentially and i think we were worried maybe in the back of our heads like in our in the course of our concert was it too down tempo but when it shifts gears into the second half and it just becomes this kind of thrash song in a sense, uh, it totally lands. And we, oh. know, we were like, Mark, oh, okay, I'm, this is cool. It's great. And I'm with you, Mark. Like, you guys put your own spin on it and nailed it. Like, I like it slowed down but heavier, you know, a little bit more on it. It just works. And to get Prince's camp's approval, I mean, that's got to mean a lot, right? That's probably not an easy thing just to have this guy's sign off. It was cool. I think certainly, um, certainly wasn't ahead, mean, easy for me at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the solo. Yeah. I was like, I don't think I'm going to take any liberties on this one. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry. No, it just, yeah, obviously that was really flattering and, and humbling to, to get their approval, but um, <laughs> you know, we were on such a time crunch to get it done. I think uh, we were wondering if it was even going to happen at all. Yeah, at one point. So yeah, well, you guys killed a lot it. Of those, it's great. Man. A lot of those things. Every step is like it needs to be done an hour ago. 
Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's kind of like life and, and work in, in general. Yeah, right? and it's like, kind of like that, you know. Uh, so you guys are both guitar guys. I know, John, you're the lead player, but Mark, you also collect guitars from what I've read. So I've got some guitar questions for you guys. So, Mark, we'll start with you and John. I'm going to throw you the same question. What is your what is your dream guitar that you want to have? I mean, I think we probably have the same answer, a uh, 58 or 59 burst, but um, that's an obvious one. I think the one that I really want just went up for sale. John, I didn't even tell you this yet that I sent it to a Cesar Gibson, but it's that Joe Perry custom shop dark burst from 96 and it's serial number 01 is for sale on line right now. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Nice. Yeah, I really want it, but it's like it's a lot of money. So <laughs> oh wow. Well, John, what are you going with? Yeah, for sure. I would love a 59 like you know, uh, tobacco burst or uh, one that's, you know, maybe a little faded into the, I, I would love Cesar's um, 59. Gemini. Play yeah. twice. Gem, Gemini, yeah. I always want to call it Greeny, but that's the other one. Um, I you're saying like a like, 58, aren't you, John? Like a 58 Les Paul reissue? I was playing a 58 for a lot, but I kind of moved it into my reserve spot. Uh, because I now have a 59 reissue custom shop, the Lemon Burst, um, that Cesar was very kind and sent to me before our Europe tour. So, and Cesar's uh, your Gibson rep, rep, I'm gonna guess. He's like he's, the president yeah. of Gibson, yeah. he's he's awesome, and I think, um, honestly, not to give him too many kudos, but I think he's doing a great <laughs> job with the company. Like they're making sick guitars right now, and like they everywhere are. we go to check out these guitar stores, like dude, they're usually like sold out, and especially the vintage stuff's really hard to come by. But he's doing an awesome job with the company. So, is he the guy that came over them from I think Levi's or somewhere else? Like what two years? That's ago the or CEO. Something? That's um, okay. Um, God, his name's escaping me. It's like JP or something, but okay. uh. Yeah, he's he's technically the CEO. I'm with you guys on the Gibson stuff. They they cut doing the stupid gimmicky things with auto tuning, and they went back to the mm -hmm. basics. I've got a 2020 Les Paul um, special TV yellow, and then I just got this 2022 uh, standard and iced T burst. And the quality and like right right out of the gate, man, like good guitars, not a lot of just what you expect from buying a Gibson. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, I got a Cesar sent me the you got a Les Paul special. He sent me um yeah a double cut single pickup special. That's like just that's awesome. But so yeah, John's like the, Lemon versus sick. I used a 50s special on the record that was actually Brendan O'Brien's an actual oh. 59, I think, or a 56. I can't remember. Yeah. And I used a 50s Telly also. Yeah, let me use a 50s Telly and a 30s Martin. Really, my mm. dream guitars would all be old. <laughs> but uh, how, what was that? I mean, what kind of shape was that 30s Martin in? Was it like a immaculate or what? I mean, that's almost yeah, a hundred year guitar. Yeah, it was immaculate. And I think one of the things that really stuck out to me was we. It didn't make the record because we really hadn't worked on it enough. But we, Mark and I, tried to cut this just vocal acoustic song. And the thing that was jumping out to me was it played so easily 
that I needed to play a lot lighter to not have, sorry about that, to not have too much buzz, just fret buzz, because it was such a delicate instrument. Not frail, but just it didn't require like this ham-fisted approach that, you know, I don't have a very expensive acoustic right now, so I was kind of used to bearing down too hard. Plus, I was playing through a $20,000 Neumann or whatever, but, you know, uh, <laughs> everything was really touch-sensitive, and it just, it was like, whoa, to finally start playing beautifully was so much less uh, picking strength and fretting strength. So that's kind of what I noticed about that. Um, and you guys yeah. both like these 50s necks. You guys like the, the bigger necks. Definitely. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I'm very used to the 58, but now that I'm playing, I get used to things. I just, I, now that I'm playing this 59, it's much more, it's not, it's not as thin as the 60, but it's, um, it's kind of like right in the strike zone, honestly. You, but you get used to things. You know, when I first got the 58, I was bummed. I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of big. And then I just got used to it. And then I couldn't play anything with that for a long time. But they really thought about this shape of this, this new 59. Um, it's just it's just really playable immediately. It's like immediately just, you're home. Well, be friends with Joe Bonamassa and you can go play with all – I mean, he's a Californian. Aren't, isn't, isn't Nerdville out in California? You guys are Californians. He's, he's a California guy, I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a crazy collection. I think he's kind of like me. Is he from, like, Syracuse, but he lives in Cali now? I believe, I, have, I, believe I don't know right. where he's from, but – so, Mark, you're wearing an Aerosmith shirt. You guys have covered Last Child. I'm going to assume Aerosmith. You talked about Joe Perry's guitar. I'm assuming an Aerosmith is a big part of, of your influences. Yeah, huge, obviously. Um, I mean, I don't we usually make too many bones about it, but yeah, definitely my favorite band of all time, along with um, like ACDC, The Stones, and Zeppelin, I would say, are, are the big four. And then Black Crows and Guns N' Roses are right there as well. So, um, two bands you've, pretty you've much... opened for, right? Guns N' Roses and Black Crows. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I told my our agent in uh, in Europe, he was like, What's your dream list of, you know, artists to open for? And I was like, Well, like all like... the ones you work with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally. I was like, well, you know, I was like, yeah, Honestly, we've done some, some pretty kick ass ones with you know, our, our roster of gigs so far, but, um, I was like, man, I, ACDC and Aerosmith are the two big ones for me. I, I often say like, I like doing our own shows most, but if I had to open for somebody, those two would definitely be on the top of the list. Who? ACDC and Aerosmith. I'll more tell you what, the... Definitely more than yeah. the Stones. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. Where do you rank all those guys? You got Zeppelin, Aerosmith, Stones, and ACDC. What's your number one? For me, it's My number one Aeros is Zeppelin. Aerosmith. Aerosmith, okay. My number one all time is Zeppelin. Yeah, okay. I mean, your yeah. your guitar styling is a little bit. I mean, you got I mean, it's blues influence. You got a little of that that paginess. You're playing the Les Paul. Yeah, Page Page was literally the first god for me. No question. They were the first example of a band to me from just from every angle you know and then it it's funny like i feel like i the more that stuff that they sort of release little 
like I got the Jimmy Page sort of, uh, you know, like coffee table book. But it's really kind of, it's kind of low key a biography ish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, you just keep learning stuff about them. And I just think it's so deeply magical in a way, as well as just the definition of rock and roll. It's just a, it's kind of a once in a generation connection of four people that you, you well, can't plan for it, you know? That everybody was an outstanding musician in their own right, you know? And I just, going back to pages playing you don't see people who can play the acoustic gentle stuff like folk style or flamenco style and then go in and play like the hardcore almost metal riffs on a guitar like i don't know who's doing that these days i think i think to me what rings more and more special as the years wear on is is their range they they get they were a band that just gave themselves permission to follow any musical tickle they had you know if they were on this you know led zeppelin three they're like yo we're kind of on this shit right now you know this like acoustic english roots shit but our own version you know um and as well as uh, you mentioned pages acoustic playing it's what's really kind of unparalleled about it is how unique the tunings are on almost all of them. almost all of them are unique tunings i mean the tuning to the rain song is it's so weird yeah it is weird it's got like three it's got like open c's in it and like it's just bizarre but once you i mean what do you do just like start turning go ahead what's that oh i said what do you do just start turning the pegs on it okay yeah i just looked it up and i looked it up and once i did it i learned that piece it within that tuning he wrote this thing that just plays itself it just moves down the neck you know, he just had, they're just like really, you know, a unique thing. But then I, you know, Mark and I both love ACDC. And for me, I love, like ACDC couldn't be more opposite of a band. And really, they were like, we've got one formula and we're fucking sticking to it. Mm -hmm. but, it but it's, it's, yeah, it's like it works. But when you really, you start finding the bootlegs from like everything up to 1980, it's like they were so good at it. They're, they're better than you at it. You know what I mean? Like they just, they really understood what made that early Chuck Berry stuff work. Just this groove, groove, groove. They grooved like a, an aggressive machine. <laughs> I mean, it's just awesome, you know. Got a winning formula, no reason to change it up. Yeah. So I know we're getting close to time with you guys. So I have two quick questions before I throw it over to Brian. Um, Mark, with you, you're also a... Uh, a motorcycle aficionado is there a certain motorcycle that you want they don't have uh, yeah the one that got stolen from me while we were out on tour with the black crows <laughs> i'd like to like to have that one back um what, what was it it was just my i had a 1200 um sportster it was the 48 sportster with the peanut tank in it but like um, sentimentally, it was the the bike in the music video for Rolling Sevens. Um, so to to find out that that has been stolen and disappeared was definitely a kick in the nuts. Was that like at your at your place and just got stolen while you're gone? Was it on the road? Yeah, with you? my my roommate was um, was home and called me. He was like, "Hey, is your like bike at the shop?" And I was like, "Which one?" Because I have a BMW too that I love, but. 
He's like, your Harley is your Harley at the shop. And I was like, no. It's like, well, it's not downstairs anymore. I was like, fuck. That's oh, serious. man. Yeah. Uh, you should have billed Chris and Rich. <laughs> they're not, they're they're, not they would have gladly paid for it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so. But do you have, do you have like a dream guitar other than the one that got stolen? A dream guitar, a dream motorcycle other than the one that got stolen? Um, I would, I would probably get another one of those. I think there's a, there's a bike called the R9T Scrambler from BMW that a buddy has that I've, that I've ridden a bunch that I would like to own, but I'm not like flipping through motorcycle magazines, like dreaming away. I'm more dreaming of like the places I want to go on a bike. Um, I usually just ride my, my GS everywhere. Um, I love that bike so much. So, but yeah, it's more about the explorative nature of just riding and discovering things and like feeling like a cowboy or whatever, you know, out there and the, the wild, wild west and shit, like driving to Utah. Still horse you're going to ride. Yeah, man. Um, so that, that's really the mentality there. There's not, I, I would take it. I'll ride anything. I don't, I don't really yeah. care too much. You know, I like them all. They're all cool. Okay. That's cool. John, last question for you. So we're going to go back to Jimmy Page. I need, I need a ruling. The Coverdale Page album, yay or nay? I'd have to go back and listen. Uh, oh. I yeah, I'd have to go back for that. I can't really, you know, that came out. Uh, you know, that came out like when I was what? in, I think, high school. So let's, let's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you probably weren't even born. Yes, I, I might have been like two. Um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'd have to, I'd have to listen to it. Um, I'm sure. I don't ever recall really digging into it. It was just kind of, okay. kind of a weird area for Page. That it was '90s, right? Early '90s yeah. or like, uh, mid? It was like '95 or '96, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if I somewhere around ever, there. I don't know. I, I yeah. lose track of time. Any, anything prior to COVID, I have no idea. Like what like, time you know, space and realm it was. I'm in. I admittedly don't. I there's some blind spots with him. I mean, I love his stuff with Led Zeppelin. You know, it's like, but nobody's really, really been like, man, you got to listen to Outrider. You have to listen to The Firm, or you have <laughs> to, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of like I have. There's too much other stuff to check out. You know, I kind of, I admittedly don't follow my heroes all the way. I find their bubble of greatness and it's just kind of, you know, like I, I don't know. I love Pink Floyd. I'm not sure I know an album much past the 82. You know, like, I like, won't. Uh, yeah, that's probably a good I mean, thing. Not, there might be something good in there and I probably should, but I, you know what I mean? Like, People love Division Bell, which came out in the maybe early mid 90s, but I'm not a huge fan of that one. Was that were they all in that or was that Gilmore? No, yeah, 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 yeah. And again, it was a fine album, but it wasn't Pink Floyd to me. If you call it something else, maybe I'm in. Sometimes that's right. it, right? It's like, what are you saying it is? Like, what are you telling me? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's all part right, of it. guys, I know you've given us more time than we asked for. We much appreciate it. You're very busy, love what you guys are doing. Where do we go to our, send our listeners to find out more about Dirty Honey, buy your merch, tour dates, check out your music? DirtyHoney.com. Are we on all the social medias, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the TikToks, oh, yeah. the 
the oh, yeah. whatever else is we're, out there. Uh, we're talking. You're we're talking. talking. Justin, we're talking. Lot, lot of talks. We're talking. Talking on the talks. <laughs> we're just talking nope. to be talking. Well, we will see you on the road. Brian, be there in Fargo. I will certainly check you guys out when you come back to Columbus here in September. And over to you, Brian. Hey. Yes, I will be there. I'm looking forward to that show. Um, so thank you so much, John Notto, Mark LaBelle from Dirty Honey. Uh, thank you for being so gracious to take the time with us. Uh, newer, smaller podcast. We, you know, you guys, we've been wanting to talk to you guys for a while. So um, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We have over 100 episodes. What is this new shit? There's 110 <laughs> episodes now. Newer. <laughs> newer. Okay. Newer, newer, newer. Newer. It'll be a while before you catch Joe Rogan, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a long while. Thanks, episode guys. 2000 <laughs> thank you cheers thank you. man we'll see you guys down the uh, down the road hey real fast mark i just got this record i don't know if oh you, sick yeah i have that one. one yeah i bought it when it, when it came out i'm hoping record to get that day. sucker uh get that sucker signed yeah record store day i did the same thing um it's pretty cool man there's actually a, a good little tidbit when they do dream on he actually it's this is a great lesson for people he they play like the intro to you see me crying at the end of that version of dream on and you know being an aerosmith fan like i obviously know both those songs very well but it's just really interesting to hear this beautiful piece of music that wound up being just an amazing song you know five years later whatever it was so, cool. so are these like live tracks or or studio tracks demos that just didn't release okay they're demos from before they even went into the studio um, to, to do the first record. On the back, I was looking at all the stuff and it said all from 1971. So it was either live or unreleased tracks. Uh, one of my buddies just sent it to me for my birthday. So I'm a big Aerosmith fan. I'm just certainly eager to listen to it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. It, it, like Mama Can is a completely different thing. So check it out. Cool. All we'll right. Do. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you to John and Mark from Dirty Honey. Uh, I really appreciated uh, some of the stuff we got to learn about uh, with the Crows tour, uh, some good advice that they got from, from Chris. And uh, I can totally imagine him saying that. I, you know, you know me, Brian, we've spoken about dirty honey. I've dug them from, from the get go. It was, it's really nice to get to talk to them. Like we had this whole press sheet. Um, from, and I couldn't even mm -hmm. like, we couldn't even dig into all the stuff I wanted to dig in. Like those guys are super cool. Great career. Uh, I just, we got to have them back on so I can get some more questions here. Oh, for sure. Um, it, once again, young guys that like have these great influences that, that we have and a lot of folks their age don't necessarily have those uh, great influences. So once again, uh, gives me hope, uh, to see younger younger people digging good music and hopefully moving forward with that. Well, any guitar based blues influenced rock coming out, I'm always going to appreciate. It is good to see more and more of these bands bring the guitar back into focus. And again, uh, play reverence to the, the stuff that you and I grew up with, but put their own spin on it. I love it. Can't wait to see what else they're going to pull out. And even in the short time, it's good to always to get some guitar talk in there. You know I'd sneak it in. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do it. You are you into hockey at all? Because apparently you could have got could have got some hockey talk. Yeah, I see. I mean, out. Mark was a hockey player, and then he went to college on a scholarship for lacrosse. <laughs> 
But you, we didn't we didn't do hockey talk because it sounds like John was not into hockey. We just got into that <laughs> Prince single for the All Star game. Right. Uh, I've yet to hear that, but I'm going to have to do that, and I'm going to check those guys out on Sunday. It is a cool it. version, Brian. And like, if I can throw a suggestion, that could be the play in or the play out tune for this podcast oh, for those for the interview. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Good idea. We shall do that. And so, always remember, Southern Rock is reverent, blues is blood. We'll see you next time. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to get through this thing called life. And if the elevator tries to bring you down, go crazy.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 